Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So these recent events um, of these two shootings this week and one last week and um, uh, and the uh, dysregulation that at least our country is feeling collectively. As somebody said, these things happen all the time in certain places. We're not living in a war zone. And it's also something to, to keep in mind that some people are in this world living in war zones where this is a, this is the daily occurrence. I mean, that, that's something to just be open to in our consciousness. And as I just said, you don't need to take in more than, than is healthy for you. But for us going through just the, the level of um, uh, acknowledged violence in this culture and country, is, it's staggering where it becomes so commonplace that it, it's, yeah. who was it said, if this is, the, the, the dangerous part is, is if this becomes the, the new normal. This can never be the new normal. Um, but we're left with sadness and shock and overwhelm and anger and frustration and all of the feelings that we were just sharing together and how to hold it all and how to hold it all and have the Dharma and our practice help us. Um, and how can we um, be in this culture of fear and um, and violence um, and outrage without ourselves creating the other uh, because it's so easy and understandable for good people to be so outraged that they that we end up hating those who are different from us who are maybe have different political views that are good people um, or hating people even who are uh, not good people as the Buddha said and we've talked about it here before the, the simile of the saw where he says even if somebody were to cut off your limbs saw off your limbs one who knows my teaching wouldn't respond with hatred. He doesn't say wouldn't respond with anger or wouldn't respond with strong response, but hatred in the heart is a, a different level where the heart is poisoned by hatred. Um, and that's what happens when we um, we're living in a disease of othering in this, in this country and in, in the human, 
in the human realm, I'm just thinking about this, this uh, great quote from Sol- Solzhenitsyn that I, I love. I think I might have, we might have even used it in the book. Uh, if only it were so easy, if only there, there were evil people in the world and all we needed to do was separate them from the rest of us. But the line between good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being and who's willing to destroy a piece of their own heart. Just last week, I, I was in Europe this last, uh, these last five weeks teaching and, uh, and traveling. And we, uh, ended up after we were teaching a retreat in, in Germany, we ended up visiting friends in Munich. Um, and we have some really, uh, lovely friends that we spent time with. A person who, um, published the, the joy book in, uh, in German, uh, and, her partner and some other friends. And uh, I hadn't really spent time in Munich before, but um, I was very intrigued. Jane and I were both intrigued to visit the um, Nazi museum, which was like the birthplace of, of Nazism. And um, I just had to go. Because the question that I that I had when I was growing up as a Jew was, how could that happen? Maybe it, it's a question that you had too. And, and I've always been kind of hungry to get more and more answers. And when we went to this museum, which was really well done and very sobering, you just see how it happens. Yeah, it was the perfect storm of, of, um, humiliation and shame and economic uh, depression and fear and hatred and looking for some scapegoats. And they had a just a master plan that they had in place to do that. But as we were w- going through the museum, we spent a number of hours there. It just kept on occurring to both Jane and me. We're living through our own version of this right now. Just with all of the, the, it was the same kind of talk. Um, I have a feeling it's not going to happen in this country. It's just, uh, there's too much DNA of, of righteousness and, um, yeah, but who knows? Uh, but it, it just was so clear. It's, it, it's not about any, Population. It's about the human mind and the human heart that is so malleable, especially through fear and hatred. It just takes out the the othering in that saying, oh, those people, it's the human mind that's capable of anything. And although we think that othering is a disease of modern civilization, it's always been here in humanity uh, because we're tribal species. And all the wars uh, are around greed or hatred or delusion, the big three. Uh, and, um, and 
another not being in our tribe. And when, when humans feel safe, when we're among friends, with people who either speak our language or have our background or have our skin color or have our nationality or have our heritage or have our come from the same place, there's a, a sense of kinship and, and safety often that, oh, they're in my tribe. And when we feel unsafe and threatened or unfamiliar, different, and, and the, 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 um, the fear comes up or the wariness comes up that activates the first chakra of survival and threat, you know, it's so easy to get into them and us. And I was thinking about uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs that after survival, basic survival is the first bottom line need. Then there's safety and security. And then the next need is belonging. We all need to belong, whether it's a gang or our tribe or whatever it is. And when we don't belong, and there's something about keeping others out that we feel more in, uh, when we don't belong, we uh, can do crazy or feel we don't belong or feel threatened by someone who doesn't. We can do crazy things. Mm. And othering happens even in spiritual circles. Just wherever it is, whether it's religion, their religion, my religion, my God is better than your God. Isn't that strange? My understanding of the universe my understanding of how it's all put together, that can be so inspirational. Think of all the, the wars and the killing and the, the insanity about their way of understanding the unnameable is not the right way, not like mine. And then even within Buddhists, I did a little bit of a an othering little tree. And then even within Buddhism, there's the the different lineages. If you if you know anything about the different vehicles, there's the in some ways it said the Hinayana, which is called the lesser vehicle. That's Theravadan the earlier teachings of the Buddha, and it's called by the other traditions the Hinayana, lesser vehicle. Then there's the Mahayana, the greater vehicle. And then there's the Vajrayana, the supreme vehicle. That's the Tibetans, they call them, they call their tradition the Vajrayana vehicle. And there's this, this, oh, crap. Uh, there's this, uh, saying this guy Tom Savage said uh, lesser vehicle greater vehicle all vehicles will be towed at owner's expense 
Then there's the, um, even within the Theravadan, then there's the, the Burmese and the Thai. Sometimes they don't go near each other. Oh, Burmese, you studied with a Burmese master? Oh, Thai forest tradition, that's where it's at, you know. Or even within the Burmese tradition, oh, you studied with uh, Upandita? Oh, very severe. Oh, you studied with Utejaniya? Oh, that's just so relaxed. Is that the real stuff? You know. And then even within the insight meditation tradition, no. Oh, there's the East Coast or the West Coast, you know. Oh, Dharma light. Oh, they're so psychologically oriented. Or, oh, East Coast. Oh, they're so, you know, don't they know about the psyche or about emotions and things like that? So it, it just, it's just humanity. It's human nature to create some kind of separation between us and other. I might just ask for a few moments just to reflect in your own life. How does your mind create other? Who's other for you? Without any guilt or judgment, how does your mind create safe versus unsafe? Or better than, or worse than? And if there's something that comes to mind, hold it with compassion. Because it's just human, just human nature. Hold it with compassion. If you can't hold it with compassion, then you're just creating an othering within yourself. A number of years ago, in uh, there was a a teacher's meeting. Oh, this is about uh, in the 80s. And uh, in our uh, Vipassana community, uh, there were in those days a number of different voices that saw saw things very differently in their presentation of the Dharma. And there was there was some dynamics about who's skillful or who's not skillful. And the one there was a facilitator for us all to really understand each other. And the facilitator asked one teacher to leave the room and uh, who was uh, very um, politically active and very, um, um, yeah, kind of um, engaged in a bit of a, uh, he was an, uh, an activist as well as a, a Dharma teacher, and um, and talked about really making this a better world, and could be very strident in his uh, in his opinions too, but brilliant teacher, and he left, and uh, and this this facilitator said, well, just suppose he wasn't in our community. Uh, and his voice was not heard anymore. 
how would that affect you? And um, the teachers there, I was there at that meeting, said, um, well, gosh, if he wasn't saying we've got to apply the teachings in the world, then then we, somebody else would have to. We'd have to be talking about that. You know? And then brought that, that teacher back and then asked another teacher to leave who was uh, the uh, more very traditional and uh, not, not engaged, uh, not so concerned at that time with being engaged in the world. And uh, he asked all the rest of the teachers, well, if that voice was not in this, in this teaching community, uh, how would that affect everyone? And everyone said, oh my goodness, we'd have to really step up and carry the, the lineage and the holding of the teachings. And it was so clear that uh, every voice had a place, an important place in the mandala of our teaching community. It was really a, it was an eye-opener. So, getting back to where we are now, as the Buddha said, hatred never ceases from hatred. Hatred ceases by love alone. This is an ancient and eternal law. So, how to see through this othering is really our great koan at this time. And it just might be that our species depends on it, figuring this one out. This is our, this is what we've been given now to figure out how to see through this insanity of othering. Because if we don't get it together, That could be it, as as Doug mentioned at our break about the the crisis facing humanity. It demands that we see through othering. I don't know if you remember uh, the Buckminster Fuller. This picture of of planet of of the planet earth it was the f- it was the first picture from outer space and it was this big poster uh in in the 60s we are all passengers on spaceship earth and it just might be this is how by the way i hold climate change as our great um possibility for awakening the dark night of the species, because it will demand that we all wake up together. Mm. So, getting back to the teachings. So the Buddha said, one of the key understandings of freedom is to let go of our attachment to our views. It's one of the the four great attachments. The second noble truth, the cause of suffering is attachment, and there's attachment to sense desire, attachment to spiritual traditions, rites and rituals, attachment to the concept of self, and attachment to views and opinions. Mm. 
So as practice, I'll share with you my practice in my better moments, anyway. Uh, is just understanding that we all have our own reality that makes sense to us. I've shared this here before, that we take as the truth and we're so clear that our way of seeing things is the truth and it can be aligned with goodness and harmony and wholeness, but not understanding that other people have a reality as bizarre it is as it is that makes sense to them. And you might say, how could they, how could they think that way? And then the answer is to go a little bit deeper and say, oh, how could they think that way? What would make them think that way? Not with anger and blame, but with understanding, oh, what would make a mind think that way? As I've mentioned here before, my my the the teaching that I got from a 13-year-old girl in uh, Trinidad uh, named Lel Ann a number of years ago, really powerful teaching where she said um, she was working on a an invention for world peace. And I said, oh yeah, tell me about it. And she said, yeah, it's called a perspective helmet. You put it on, and as soon as you put it on, you understand the perspective of the person you're speaking to. I said, I'll invest in that if you can figure out how. She said, I'm still working on it. I don't know exactly how to, how to but that's, that's the idea. It's brilliant. So in my better moments, I put on my perspective helmet and see that the real villain is ignorance. It's just not seeing clearly. And I want to read to you a poem that probably many of you are familiar with. Uh, it's been a while since I read it and read it out loud, but it just feels so appropriate uh, by Thich Nhat Hanh. And if you've heard it before, just hear it like it's beginner's mind. Please call me by my true names. Do not say that I will depart tomorrow. Even today, I'm still arriving. Look deeply. Every second, I'm arriving to be a bud on a spring branch, to be a tiny bird with still fragile wings, learning to sing in my new nest, to be a caterpillar in the heart of a flower, to be a jewel hiding itself in a stone. I still arrive in order to laugh and to cry, to fear and to hope. The rhythm of my heart is the birth and death of all that is alive. I am a mayfly metamorphosing on the surface of the river. And I'm the bird that swoops down 
to swallow the mayfly. I'm a frog swimming happily in the clear water of a pond. And I'm the grass snake that silently feeds itself on the frog. I'm the child in Uganda, all skin and bones, my legs as thin as bamboo sticks. And I'm the arms merchant selling deadly weapons to Uganda. I'm the 12-year-old girl, refugee on a small boat, who throws herself into the ocean after being raped by a sea pirate. And I'm also the pirate, my heart not yet capable of seeing and loving. I'm a member of the Politburo with plenty of power in my hands. And I'm the man who has to pay his debt of blood to my people dying slowly in a forced labor camp. My joy is like spring, so warm it makes flowers bloom all over the earth. My pain is like a river of tears, so vast it fills the four oceans. Please call me by my true names so I can hear all my cries and laughter at once, so I can see that my joy and pain are one. Please call me by my true names, so I can wake up and the door of my heart could be left open, the door of compassion. So seeing with that wisdom I, seeing that from a Buddhist perspective, it's all just causes and conditions, causes and conditions that turns someone into a sea pirate or an arms merchant, or a shooter in El Paso. Or a very misguided politician in power. Or a bodhisattva and a caring, loving human being that wants to make this a better world, or a good mother, or father, or friend. I was sharing with a a friend uh, just today um, about a retreat experience that I had many years ago when I looked at... um, I thought I had replayed my whole history many, many times over retreats, over the years and years of retreats, because it's a very natural thing. You play your your family history. Uh, And uh, this was after mm, 
30 years of practice on this one retreat where I saw my family and I saw my grandparents and I just had this image of generations going back, 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 all just carrying along legacy of causes and conditions and habits that were passed on from one generation to another. And in a moment in this this retreat moment, over this whole scene came the title of a, a book by Trungpa Rinpoche, and it said, Dharmas Without Blame. That was the title of the book. But just seeing generation after generation after generation, dharmas without blame, all causes and conditions. And in a moment, my heart opened in a way that it never had for my ancestors and my family and all the ways that why did they have to be like that, or etc., etc.? There's something so freeing in seeing causes and conditions that can open us up to compassionate understanding and forgiveness, the same kind of forgiveness that Jesus on the cross says when he says, forgive them, they know not what they do. And with that forgiveness doesn't mean, okay, everything is cool. With that forgiveness and that compassionate understanding, our actions can be that much more potent and effective because we're not coming from hate. So forgiveness is just, or compassionate understanding is just part of the deal. Then that gives you the courage and the fearlessness to stand in your truth, to fight injustice, to fight for greater well-being, to fight for a healthy planet. And maybe fight isn't the right word, maybe it is, but not with hate in the heart, with understanding and wisdom. Dharmas without blame. So as was said, holding that shooter in the same way as the as the victims. That's a that's a big task for us all. Um, but that's where the heart can heal. The heart as wide as the world. So, uh, I'll stop here. And um, if there's any comments, any anything you'd like to share, okay. have some time. Let's see. Oh, thanks a lot, Jonathan. I <clears throat> I have a friend who's from Burma. And she's a very 
very serious meditator, um, and I've known her living here. But when I tried to talk to her about the Rohingya mm-hmm. situation, it tilted a bit. Yeah. I I expected her to um, be enlightened about it, you know, and to think this is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And she was totally behind it. Mm-hmm. And the the answer, what I could get out of her is, they want to take over our country. This is a Buddhist country, and, and they want to take it over, and we can't let them take it over. Mm-hmm. And I really had a hard time, um, you know, sort of comprehending this, given that what Buddhism is about. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway. yeah, I actually had in, in, in my notes the Rohingyas and and the Tamils in Sri Lanka too. How painful! Even Buddhists, Buddhist monks, the mind is capable of anything. Now, and that's where the Buddha said so, you know, so fierceless, so fiercely. Do not respond with hate. One who knows my teaching does not respond with hatred and hurting another. So people are people. It's true. Even Buddhists, even good Buddhists. Thank you. Yeah, Monica. I'm from El Paso. Yeah, real close. Yeah. I'm from El Paso. And You're from El Paso. And most of my family and a lot of my friends are there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, I haven't been able to process it. I have a lot of fear and a sense of helplessness. And I don't like feeling that way, so I push it aside. And sitting here and hearing you talk and being here, it just wants to come out, and I'm having a hard time knowing how to process it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, first, my heart goes out to you. And maybe one way to process it would be uh, to just um, let, let in all the support of everybody here. Monica from El Paso, whose family is there and whose heart is breaking. Just take in the care and support. And no, you don't have to hold it all, or you don't have to figure it out, I should say. Just give space to, to allow it to be here. One thing that I find helpful is the simple self-compassion practice. So I invite you, just put your hand on your heart for a moment. And that physiologically starts to calm down the system. And without trying to sort anything out, just like a mother would hold a a child who's so lost, Just hold that hurt place inside.
And there's the one that's hurt inside, and there's also the very wise one that is holding her. And you don't have to do anything other than just give space and allow. And feel our support right now. Thank you. Yeah, grieving takes time. You can't hurry it up. So you just have to give it space. And you're not alone. There's, besides all the people in El Paso, there's a whole country that's that's mourning as well. So maybe we'll just uh, close with a, a short loving kindness. And as we are just saying here, if we, if you're not ready to go to that place that you can just see through the confusion and the and and see the causes and conditions, then uh, you start with just allowing all the feelings to be there. And not trying to fix anything or be any more spiritual than you are or I think you should be. Just allow and hold with compassion. You know, this is hard and this is part of life. Just holding it all. And knowing that as you can process all the feelings, it will deepen your compassion and your courage and your skill in expressing your caring in the world. And so we can also hold all the people that are going through their own grieving and confusion and disorientation and have compassion for them. May all of us hold our pain with compassion. May we all heal and learn more and more to share our love well. May we see through our fears and 
awaken to our true nature. And may our coming here together ripple out and be of benefit to all beings everywhere, including this planet that needs our care and love so well, so much. Thank you for your attention. Have a good week and let your light shine. We need it. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.